Trepio, you tell that slimy piece of worm-ridden filth he'll get no such pleasure from us, right? Jabba, this is your last chance. Free us or die. Episode 216 of Full of Sith. I am Mike Pilot, and with me, my co host, Holly Fry and Brian Young. We have a really great episode planned for you guys tonight, and as I usually like to do, Brian, why don't you tell everybody what we are doing here this evening? Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with uh, our good friend, Corey D. Williams. Yeah. He, uh, hey. he's, he's joining us tonight. How's it going, Corey? All right, I'm here. It's been quite a little bit since we had you on the show, so I was happy to hear that we were going to be talking to you tonight. Yeah, it's been a while. What, a couple of years or what? I don't know. Yeah, it was in our infancy. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's been a couple of years. I'll blame myself for that. And... I blame Brian for it, yeah. Yeah. Well, Brian could have easily have reached out to me, but you know how that goes, you know. Whammo! <laughs> so this is how tonight's going to go. So, so... Uh... <laughs> No, this is, me, this is me get, getting. Well, I well, he should be getting back at me, but never mind. <laughs> I'm not that sort of person. Here, when Corey was here before, so this is me getting to meet him. So, yay yeah. for me! Hi, me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Corey, you uh, since last we talked, you've been uh, doing more of your music, and you've been doing more conventions. And at Star Wars Celebration, you put together. A bit of a music video yes i did um well you know i have a project called the 3d nucleus project and 3dee nucleus as in my middle name but um uh, you know it's the best name we could come up with that we liked after like going through 500 names but it kind of <laughs> describes what we do it's it's kind of rhythmic music and um you know it's uh the rhythm is at the core of what we do. So the three is uh, bass, guitar, and drums, and the D is me, and the nucleus is rhythm of the, of the music that we do. is It's basically kind of like funk bass, I would say. Yeah. Oh, I would agree with that. Yeah. So we, we, you know, I've decided I wanted to put together a project. I didn't really want to do a band um, again because I've been in so many bands and I've been part of many band collaborations and I just thought man it would be really fun to just kind of collaborate with different musicians from all over the place and and um different instruments and try different things and then you know we're not really limited by some of the things that bands are limited by like you know you have to kind of create a sound for yourself and that's what people come to expect from you when they hear you whereas with a music project like what we have we kind of do whatever we feel like doing. If it, it might sound like rock, it might sound like jazz, it might sound just funky, but usually it's pretty much on the rhythmic side of things because that's just what I enjoy doing. That's what's fun, you know, to me anyway. And for, for listeners who, who haven't watched the music video yet, I mean, I think, uh, why don't you describe what it was 
and what it is and what's still coming because I think everybody's scratching their heads going like, why are we talking to Corey D about his music on a Star Wars show? But it, it all makes sense. And the link to the, the video will be in the notes too, so you can just yeah. go check that out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it all kind of ties together. It, it, we kind of came across, we were working on, we most of our music is done through improv, and so we'll get together and a bunch of us will start, you know, grooving and then, you know, two or three guys maybe. And then um, we always record what we what we do. So it's kind of like an improv jam session and just things spontaneously happen, which is kind of cool. But so we, one night we were just kind of, it was a typical funky Saturday night. We all got together and we we're just jamming. And at the end of the night, um, our drummer, who's a good friend of mine, um, James Wen second, we call him Jimmy Bigfoot because he plays without shoes a lot. Um, but and the first time i looked over behind his kit and i saw him playing without shoes i was like man what are you doing he's like i I like it better this way i was like man bigfoot so yeah he came up he has an electronic rolling v-drum kit so he was kind of like experimenting with some sounds and they sounded really metallic and and stuff and so we you know we kind of usually don't listen to the grooves the same night after we get done recording them so it's usually kind of like the next day you get up and you go, what in the heck was that? You know, when you play it back, but it sounded really cool. And I was like, man, you know, we, I just started kidding around saying it really sounded kind of Star Wars. And, you know, it's like, man, we don't want to make a song that's Star Wars. That's, that would be like the obvious thing to do, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> of my family sort of affiliation with Star Wars. But it just came out that way. And, um, and actually, um, Jamie Strangroom, who is in, um, in, in, um, he's, he works for the BBC. He was doing an interview with my father and asked me to join in the interview. And he said he was also doing a song parody, um, which was, um, a cloud city parody. And he was going to get my father to be Lando and, and sell a cloud, you know, sell clouds to people and stuff. (laughs) So I was like, (laughs) I was like, that sounds pretty funny, man. And he was like, yeah, if you have any music, that would work for this parody. It'd be really cool. And I could tie in some of your music to the thing. And I was like, you know what? As a matter of fact, we do. something. And so cloud city funk was kind of born out of that. And then, um, at the last minute, I, I wasn't scheduled to go to celebration to sign or anything, but I thought, you know, I might go down and just hang out with friends and be a fan. Cause I like to do that sometimes. Cause I can, I mean, I'm not a big celebrity like the rest of these guys where, you know, they can't go anywhere. I can, I'm, uh, you know, I have the advantage of being able to remain kind of anonymous until somebody looks over and goes, Hey, Corey, you know, (laughs) but, but, uh, but yeah, so I decided I was going to try to make this thing come together and shoot a music video for the song. Um, and take it a step further because he did a parody and it's just like a really short thing. And it's great and really funny. Um, but um, I just had this idea that I wanted to create a music video around the groove. And so that's how the whole thing started. Got to love when a plan comes together. Yeah, it did. I mean, it was amazing. I had to be in the right place at the right time to do a lot of this stuff. And, you know, it's not easy when you got like, you know, thousands of 501st members there. <laughs> 
Yeah, I remember. I remember. I was running from one panel to another, and I saw you, and you, you were a bunch of people were around you, and you were pointing, and I'm like, I wonder what is going on there. Right. So, yeah, I, I had to get to the other panel, and then when I saw the video, I'm like, Ah, I get it now. Yeah, well, it ties in, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I'm I'm assuming that working on Return of the Jedi initially kind of opened some doors with some of the people you got in the video, and then working conventions, signing. I mean, because your Klaatu uh, kind of opened some doors with some other people, but like, like where did you meet Ray Park to, to ask it? Like, was that at a convention and you guys got friendly and you felt yeah. like you can ask him to do this? Well, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, when you get in the convention circuit, you know, there's a lot of us who are on the convention circuit and we, we sometimes end up being in the same place at the same time. And especially since we're kind of, all part of the big Star Wars family, they, you know, we end up bumping into each other a lot because if they decide to invite several people out who are involved in the movie, um, you know, we end up being there together. So I, I had met Ray before. Um, I met him uh, at the previous Star Wars celebration and had run into him a couple of times. And he was really, he's just a really great guy. You know, he really hangs out with fans mm-hmm. and does all that stuff. And, and I do the same. So, you know, one night we were just hanging out in the bar at a hotel and he bought me a drink and we just <laughs> kind of became friends and a little bit, you know, I don't stay in contact with him, but whenever I see him, it's like, oh, hey, good to see you, Ray, you know, and we chat a little bit. But um, yeah, I actually, I ran into Ray right after we had done the segment with Mark and I was like, you think you want to be in the video? And he's like, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> and um. You know, it kind of it kind of became a thing where the more people we kind of got to do it, the more people were interested in doing it. Totally. Yeah. What's really interesting about it is watching it. It it kind of has this dual purpose, right? Like it's a music video, but it also very much feels like a documentary about the con. Yeah, that's kind of what's cool. You'd say that. I mean, it wasn't intentional. I just wanted to do something that felt very spontaneous and and raw. Like I didn't want to go there with a production team and like you know. And do a real polished video. I wanted to do something that seemed that seemed almost like you could shoot it on your phone, you know. <laughs> but we, but um, I approached oh. a, a, a. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah, I was saying I approached a friend who I had met at uh, Celebration Anaheim, um, Mark Donovan, who he's a really great photographer. I've been following his work and um, I didn't really know he was into photography at the time when I met him, but um, you know, I was just checking out what he was doing and I really liked what he was doing. And I said, you know, would you be interested in like taking a DSLR camera and shooting video? Cause you know, I have some friends that do great footage with DSLR cameras at shows. And um, a friend of mine, Barry Bellamy does some really, really great shows. Um, you know, with a DSLR camera, I was shocked. I was like, man, you don't have like a video rig. And he was like, nope. The stuff was super high def. And, you know, you could play it back on a big, big screen TV from YouTube and it looked great. And so I thought, man, we could get away with it. We could do it, you know, and, and if we do it in natural light, and it'll just seem really, you know, spontaneous. And that was the whole idea behind it. So, yeah, I guess it does kind of come out having a bit of a documentary kind of feel to it because of that. How do you like, so Mark Hamill's probably the most approached person at that convention. If he's seen anywhere, right. <laughs> how do you, 
<laughs> how do you talk him into doing this? It sound it looked like you were at like somewhere in like the back of the convention center, yeah. like out of public eye when you were like how'd you talk him into it? Yeah, right. It, you know, it's just crazy. We we were actually I, I originally um I wanted to do a lot of footage with um um Eugene Strider, who's like the hip hop trooper. I don't know if you guys have ever seen him. Yeah. But everybody kind of has seen him at conventions because he, you know, he comes through, he's making a lot of noise and he attracts a lot of attention. But what he does is really, really cool. So I was like, I really want to get him in the thing, you know, as much as possible. But so that day we just we we were trying to bump into different people. And I had arranged different groups to shoot from the George from the Georgia Garrison and 501st because, you know, they're all a lot of them are friends of mine. And I was like, you got who's wearing Chewy? And when are you in on what day and who's I need a Darth Vader, you know, so I was like trying to bring all these characters together. And I really wanted to have the legacy troopers in there. But because um, they just have such a great look. But anyway, so we ran into Strider one day and then um, we shot some footage with him and we were kind of almost kind of done for the day. We were just meandering around and I said, well, let's go over to the signing area and see if we can catch Pops and get him to do the Cloud City Point, which is what we've been doing in the whole video. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do something that would be kind of, that would bring all the shots together and would kind of have a theme. And um, so we came up with the idea to do the Cloud City Point, which was based on the poster that um, my friend Randy Martinez did of my father that is Stay Classy Cloud City. Mm-hmm. Love that. Which became a t-shirt. But, um, but anyway, so... You know, we had this theme going. We had this thing going. We were thinking we're going to get my dad to do the point. We went over there. He was gone for the day. But Mark was like one of the only people left. And he was signing down the rest of his line. Maybe there was like 50 or 60 people in it. And I was thinking, man, you know, if we could get Mark to be in it. And I had been told, you know, it's going to be next to impossible for you to get Mark in the video. And I was like, yeah, I know. But (laughs) (laughs) it's not going to stop me from trying, you know. (laughs) <laughs> next to impossible isn't impossible right exactly <laughs> so you know i'm not a pushy person and i certainly wasn't going to be rude because that gets you nowhere so you know i was like you know he's got a line of people i'm not going to jump in the front of his line you know and and start talking to him because he's it's it's not considerate to the people who've been standing there for two and a half hours waiting to get his signature totally <laughs> so <laughs> So I, you know, I they had given me a pretty pretty much all access pass, and you know, I, I it was easy for me to talk to people. And when they look at me and they see the resemblance between me and my dad, they kind of, oh yeah, that makes sense, you know. <laughs> so anyway, you know, they basically, you know, when he was almost done, they said, well, you know, I asked a few few of his people that were working with him, and I said, I'm really trying to get Mark to be in this video, and I only want him to do like 15 seconds or something, just just do. What we call the Cloud City Point, and it would be really cool to get him in it. And they were like, "Well, you could just ask Mark. I mean, if he wants to do it, you know, it's up to him." And I was like, "Okay, this is going to be interesting because he looked kind of tired. He had a big sign over his head that said um, that he had laryngitis, so he couldn't really speak well." And I was thinking, "Oh boy, this is just the complete wrong time to be approaching him about <laughs> this." <laughs> But you know, um, you Seeing know, all I, of his panels, I wouldn't have guessed he had laryngitis. 
Yeah, I mean, he did. I think he had the panel the next day. He told me, and he was like, he was like, man, I, I don't know, I'm going to do this panel tomorrow. And I was like, wow. But yeah, we we um, when I walked up to him, I, I had you know, I had my was trying to get together my spiel, what I was going to tell him. And um, you know, he's we've seen each other for a long time, and he he knows he knows me, but I wasn't really sure under the circumstances he was going to know who I was. And um, but as soon as I walked up, he goes, "How's your dad? <laughs> how's he? How's Billy doing?" And I was like, "Oh, he's hanging in there, Mark." I was like, "You know, we got this little thing we're doing just for fun, and we want to know if you'll you'll be in it and do it." And he was like, "Yeah, sure. What what is it? What do you want me to do?" And so I I told Mark Donovan, the photographer, I said, "Look, if." If Mark even remotely looks like he's going to say yes, just start rolling footage. Cause <laughs> <laughs> just like, you know, we need to get, the, we only got one shot at this. So let's make sure we get it. We get it right. You know? So we we go back, he's done for the day. He's finished signing and I'm talking to him and, and Mark's rolling footage and, and um, his wife, Mindy's there who does a great princess uh, slave Leia in the, in the video. Um, She's there rolling in her phone video as a backup, you know. So like, <laughs> and so the funny thing that he posted that um, the photographer Mark Donovan uh, posted on his page was that, you, you know, we were riding in the golf cart with Mark Hamill on the way out of the convention. And it was really kind of hilarious. Like, you know, this is just surreal. Like, we shouldn't even be doing this. But, um, but yeah, it was just kind of really laid back and just... You know, it just kind of happened. I didn't expect it to happen. I wasn't um, thinking for sure it would happen, but it just kind of came together in a weird way. And Mark was like, well, you know what? The light in here is not great. You know, if you guys want to do it outside, we could do it outside before I get in the car. And I was like, yeah, cool. That's whatever you want, Mark, you know. <laughs> and so <laughs> so we get outside and, you know, I got it. I got the song on my phone. I'm carrying around this Bluetooth speaker that gets pretty loud. and. For some reason, the Bluetooth speaker didn't fire up because I had changed the Bluetooth setting when I was shooting with the hip hop trooper because he had a big jam box and we were making it come out of his jam box. And so he's like the Pied Piper we're walking through the whole convention with the song jamming and people are dancing and looking at us like we're crazy, you know, like what's going on? But anyway, so I get outside with Mark and, it, and it's not coming out of the speaker. And I'm thinking, oh, damn, I, I can't restart this thing while he's you know, <laughs> standing here. He's going to say, all right, I'll catch you guys later, you know. <laughs> so I just started and it was coming out of my phone and he could hear it and he, and he leaned over because, you know, he, he asked me if he could hear the groove. I wasn't even going to play the music for him. And, um, and he just started vibing to it immediately. And I was like, oh, OK. So I just started vibing with him. <laughs> you know? right. And we're shooting this video and then, you know, and then he kisses me and then I kiss him back. <laughs> I thought. I'm probably the only person that could say I'm in a video with Mark Hammer, Hamill being kissed by Mark Hamill in a video. Was you know, this the first time you'd seen him since uh, since 1983 or 82? No, I, I actually I saw him at Celebration Anaheim. Okay, briefly. so just really briefly, but not you know we just kind of said hello. We took a picture together. Um, he and Stephen and I. And because um, he was he came over to see my dad and I was standing there with Pops when he came over. And then we just oh, we showed him the Polaroid picture that we had scanned of 
of he and Steven and I, when we kind of bum rushed this trailer and he was standing there in his robe with his underwear on. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, he was really amused. He was like, where did you guys get that? <laughs> so that kind of, you know, I guess that kind of, you know, that kind of maybe that stuck in his mind. So when I walked up, it wasn't so as weird as it might've been otherwise. With, uh, you know, with these conventions, like you're going as a fan, like, did you get to make it into the, the 40th anniversary panel that you're, that, that they did with, you know, John Williams was there and your dad was on stage. Did you, did you make it into that? No, unfortunately I didn't. I mean, I wish I could have, but, um, you know, it's a little tricky going there as a fan and, you know, you don't want to take, I don't really like taking liberties and stuff. I mean, of course, if they could probably walk me through the back door of one of those panels and I'd be sitting there, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, we kind of got so involved in shooting that we didn't really have time for anything else, believe it or not. I mean, I don't think I really saw much of what was going on in the convention aside from what I was actually videoing with the photographer. So as strange as it may seem, I mean, it's like we were at the convention, but we weren't really in the convention more <laughs> just kind of, I guess. Corey, one of the things that's always, always stuck out to me about you and you said it already twice tonight talking, and we've talked about this before you would be able to, if, if you wanted to make a big deal about it, yes, you could have got brought in the back door. Or they would have found a seat for you. You could totally use that to your advantage but it's always been cool that you get it that people other people have been waiting a really long time and you wouldn't want to take that away from them and i always thought that that was re really a great quality about you so i just wanted to you know, say that out loud oh well thank you i just you know we you know i grew up we had a pretty normal upbringing and you know you start you understand and my father's very much the same way i mean you know if you meet him and he's not totally exhausted you know he's a really talkative and kind of cordial guy on you know, in most circumstances, I mean, you know, people, sometimes people don't get, like, I hear people complaining, you know, very few people ever complain about their experience with him, but because he's super cool and really humble, but, um, and, you know, I'm kind of proud of that. So, you know, I, I follow in his footsteps when it comes to that kind of stuff. I mean, I see how, how he is with people and it, and it's just, he's very kind of aware of, the whole experience and, you know, signing with him sometimes is really a, is really a, a really fun thing. You know, it's, it's exhausting because he has a lot of people that come to see him. And sure. if I'm at a table, I'm there by myself and, you know, I have like maybe a fraction of the people coming, <laughs> coming to see me because of Klaatu. I mean, Klaatu is a very obscure character that, you know, really dedicated fans are aware of, but like a lot of people don't even know that I did it or they're not even aware of what's going on. But I saw a couple of good um, cosplays at Anaheim and at, in Orlando. You, you did? I didn't. I did. I didn't, yeah. I wish I had seen that, man. I would have put that person in the video. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was really excited to see your, your pop at the, uh, the 40th. And I, I really, um, he's, he's one of maybe five men that are on the walls in my house. Uh, a friend of mine, Adam, got uh, got to stand in line and, and get an autograph from him a few years ago at, at something out in Washington State, I believe. And yeah. um, I, I was always really, it came in the mail one day. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. So, yeah, he's on the wall, prominently oh, prominently displayed in the Star Wars room. 
Yeah, well, he's he's actually on my wall too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> well, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's not like you're going to have your dad sign an autograph for you and put it on, really. But but there was one. Well, I had your dad sign an autograph for me. Oh, you did. <laughs> actually, uh, uh, Celebration Two. He was one of like three two. people whose autograph I got. Yeah. How and... big was Two compared to like what it is now? Oh, it was well, Two. Tiny was a mini market to compared to this. Yeah. Yeah. I've got the picture actually. I'll dig up the picture, but uh of me meeting him at Celebration 2. Mm-hmm. It was funny like I was so like nervous the whole time. Yeah. And the only thing I could think of was uh I figured that he'd hear every Star Wars line that he'd ever done quoted at him and I was like I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> so as he's signing my autograph, all I could say all I could think to say was like I think you would have made a great Two-Face. Oh. <laughs> And he probably didn't hear that a lot at that time. No, right. probably not. But he 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 kind of chuckled and said thank you, and it was it was a great experience. But yeah. I wanted I wanted to ask you, um, as you're watching your dad, like you've probably you you said you missed the 40th anniversary panel, but I'm sure you've seen him on plenty of stages full of rooms of people, just uh, full of adulation for him, like how different is that guy on stage versus your dad? Like, what is that weird for you? Like seeing, like you said, you had a pretty normal childhood and he was just your dad, but like, is it weird seeing that many people, you know, like getting up on their feet and screaming about meeting him? The whole, well, the whole kind phenomena itself is kind of surreal when you, when you're at it. I mean, you're, you're there and it's, you're like there's there's it's like a world within a world when you're at those things so it's kind of um like really surreal when you come out of it you go like wow what was that i want to go back there you know <laughs> i'm i'm in real life i'm at the grocery store now no one knows <laughs> knows who i am you know <laughs> and at a convention everybody's like hey Corey. but sometimes yeah sometimes i get to actually sit up there like we did a panel together um, in Calgary at the Calgary Expo. And, um, so, um, you know, it, it's like what I'm saying is really the whole thing is kind of so surreal that, you know, you don't, you just kind of get caught up in it and that whole thing. So I, really, I've never really been a chance to like sit in the audience during the panel that he's done. I've usually, every time I've been at a panel that he's done, I've been on the stage with him. So that's even stranger because, you know, people are like asking me questions about stuff. And and, and sometimes he puts me on the spot and he, he wants me to do Lando Calrissian imitations. And, and I'm like, <laughs> and sometimes I do really well and sometimes I totally blow it because I can't, you know, he puts me on the spot. And I'm, but now I'm sort of like usually I'm kind of prepared because I know he's probably going to do it. <laughs> he's got you rehearsing Lando lines. <laughs> he goes, he goes. Yeah, you, Corey does that line better than I do. And I'm like, oh, really? I can't believe he just did this to me. And so he did it on a morning television interview. And I was like, dub, 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 dub. <laughs> Tripping over my tongue. And I think I did that at Star Wars Celebration 7. I was like, I came out. And, and our manager at Cons, Derek Mackey's, you know, I go to Derek and I say, Derek, how, how did I do on the invitation? He's like, eh, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta appreciate the honesty though. Yeah. 
But a few times, you know, once or twice at a time, we've done a Q&A together and I've hit it. Like one time I hit it, the audience just went crazy and and I, and I just sort of looked over at Derek and winked at him. You know, it's like, <laughs> I think I got it this time. <laughs> Does he try to put you on the spot a lot then? No, not really. I mean, he's so used to doing that stuff and it's and being really spontaneous. So if you're not used to doing it, it can be a little awkward for you. Like, you know, I'm just a regular guy that ended up doing this stuff. Um, I'm not like an actor, a rehearsed actor or anything. I mean, I came into it because I was hired as a stand-in for him to set up shots. And and I went on being his stand-in slash sort of like what they call a photo double. Not actually a stunt guy, but sometimes you end up doing like some minor stunt stuff. I mean, they threw you off the skiff for him. Well, <laughs> that is actually a combination of Julius LaFleur and I in that shot. Um, but, I mean, you, you dangled there over the Sarlacc for him for a while. Yeah, I did. I dangled. I did a little dangling. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, excellent to put on your resume, right? right. Like, dangler. Dangler, skills. yeah. <laughs> dangler, like, they... If I was in the credits in Return of the Jedi, I'd be like Lando Dangler. <laughs> <laughs> they had to like fight to get me on IMDb because really? I'm not in the credits on on Return of the Jedi, even though I was in it. But yeah, I mean, it's like you, when you're when you're doubling somebody like that and stuff. You know, people don't. Nobody wants to hear that anybody else was doing it other than the actor. So you're kind of like kind of like invisible. I find that stuff fascinating. <laughs> but yeah, Julius actually, who's an awesome stunt guy, um, he actually did the actual swing over. And then once he's hanging there, in a lot of the shots in the background, in the distance, that's me hanging there. Like somebody got like a really good freeze frame of it, and I could tell it was me. Like I can usually, I can tell the difference between me, Julius, and my father. And that time, you know, I wasn't, I didn't weigh quite as much as they did. I was, you know, a, a wiry, um, twenty-two-year-old guy. I was muscular, but I was very lean and didn't and have that, as much mass. That mustache was makeup too, wasn't it? Oh, they drew it. They drew it on me. Actually, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I could grow facial hair at the time. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as crazy as that sounds, I mean, I knew I knew guys in their teens when I was in high school that had mustaches, but me, I just could not grow a mustache to save my life, man. I mean, it wasn't like I, I just quit trying, and then at some point it just sort of happened. But yeah, I didn't even have one. They were like they got some some makeup pencil and drew it on me. It's like, and it wasn't like they were shooting me close enough that you would ever see anything like that. But you know, they just try to just in case. Yeah. Anybody go, like freeze for who knows if like wait he's not he doesn't have a mustache you know but yeah I mean it was it was it was pretty interesting I mean they asked me to do it and you know I didn't really hesitate because I was twenty two and fit and martial artist and all that stuff and you know it didn't fit it wasn't going to be anything physically demanding but you know you are hanging you know two or three stories in the air. And down below is the Sarlacc pit, basically. Sure, it's pretty hot, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was hotter than you could even imagine. You you kind of get used to it, believe it or not. And, like, you learn to, like, 
cover up because if you're exposed to the sun all day, yeah, it could be nasty. But you know, once they start putting those costumes on you and it's 110 degrees, you know, you feel like you, you know, most people, the most people in the crew are walking around in their shorts, you know, (laughs) (laughs) with no shirts on or, you know, or t shirt. So I really felt bad for Peter Mayhew, man, that, you know, wearing a fursuit out there was miserable for him. Did you, like, what's, what's it been like for you, like, watching your dad experience conventions is probably a different thing, but, like, what's it like for you getting to sit at the table now and sign pictures of Plateau, and what's, what's like, the picture that, that, that people have signed of yours the most? Well, there's actually two shots. Um that are of me that I didn't even know existed until I started doing this stuff. They dug them up and they're official Star Wars pics. But one is a close up of me wearing the mask. And then there's another one of me standing with my hands on my hips. And um, both of those shots are probably like continuity shots. Like they take a shot of you when they dress you up and on the set. And then they, they want to make sure that if they get you out the next day doing it, they have you looking exactly the same. So everything looks good when they add it together. And those are the two shots I think that people get the most. And then there's an, a freeze frame action shot of me um, when I had a, I don't know if you could call it a fight with Skywalker because <laughs> 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 it wasn't much of a fight. I mean, I came running towards him with a weapon. He cut the tip of my weapon off and I turned around and left. <laughs> so- As one would do. But that's like a fight that gets air quotes around it. It's a fight. (laughs) Plateau didn't really, I guess he didn't, he thought that he might survive, but he ended up being blown up on the, on the sail barge. But, um, you could always, you could always claim that he's not dead and that he could come back. Yeah, they could, you know, if he was like significant enough to like mean anything, I guess to, (laughs) <laughs> like, oh yeah, Clat Two is back. I can see a whole movie built around. <laughs> well, it was funny. Like Son of Shaft or something. You know? <laughs> when I talked to Richard Lamparmentier, who played Admiral Monty in A New Hope, uh, we were going to make a fan film, a Star Wars fan film, with him reprising his role as Admiral Monty. And when he pitched me the idea, I was like, "Well, Monty's dead," and he's like, "We didn't see a body." And let's be honest, Monty's smart enough to just leave. Like, he's not going to stay there for Tarkin's. Thing. Yeah. So uh, you could do that. Like, Klaatu was smart enough to just get out of there at that point. Yeah. It's like, yeah. there's a Jedi here on top of the barge. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> he, he this is going it. south. Yeah. <laughs> you, you never know. It could be one of the standalone movies in the future, too. Right. <laughs> you need to get a shirt that says Klaatu lives. There you go. That would be killer, man. People would applaud that if I strolled into a con with that on. <laughs> the, like, the 20s tattoo fans that were there would love it. <laughs> I mean, have you ever run into somebody who's like, no, man, Klaatu sucks. <laughs> like, that's, I don't think it's that kind of Star Wars fan. I don't think anybody's paid attention. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think Klaatu's ever, like, risen anybody's hackles. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I think, you know, it's it's very humbling to sit there and have people tell you that you know i had your toy ever since i was like you know nine yeah. old or seven or whatever like what really like i didn't even know the toy existed as part of a collection of toys until i started doing cons and that was probably 
20 something years after the fact i was like what it's a toy you kidding me you got one now right yeah yeah i mean i have a vintage copy of it but when uh, Derek Mackey came to my house and he saw the photo, that's how the whole thing got started. It was in my training studio because I've been a fitness lifestyle coach for 25 years. But so it was in my training studio and um, he saw it and he was like, you know, I think that creature has a name and you should be doing conventions. And I was like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. Yeah. <laughs> because probably when I did it, you know, it might have been like creature 90. 765-273 or something you know i don't even know that it ever officially had a name at that time it might have but i wasn't aware of it if it did i mean he got a name by 83 because i mean klaatu was on the package from that from okay. the get-go yeah maybe when they decided to create a toy yeah right Kenner probably went and said hey what's this guy's name and they're like i don't know klaatu yeah. right <laughs> Which is weird because, you know, from the movie, you know, um, Tatu Barada Nikto is a yep. phrase. Um, what is that? Um, the Day the Earth Stood Still. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say Well, War. and Army of Darkness. Wasn't that, but yeah, I mean, so that's a, it's a, a name that's part of a familiar phrase. And sometimes people say that to me and I go, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, um, yeah, he was like Klaatu from the planet Nikto or something. Like, it was really kind of strange. And I had to like look it up myself on like Wikipedia. I'm like, wait, if people start asking me about this guy and I don't know anything about him, what am I going to say? You know? <laughs> Have you made up an elaborate backstory for him yet, though? Like, <laughs> he, was, he was one of Jabba's. Sl- Actually, you know what? I, think- I read stuff, though. I don't, I never... Oh, he, he is definitely dead. Well, you said he's for sure dead, but it, we saw in The Princess Bride that dead and mostly dead are two different things. Right? Yeah. Um, dead in movie land doesn't really mean anything because they can always find a way to bring you back. <laughs> well, so this, the official, the official data mag said, uh, a Kadasa Nikto from Kintan. Klaatu was a henchman of Jabba the Hutt and spent his time at the Hutt's palace repairing skiffs, eagerly yeah. awaiting executions, and amassing ever-larger gambling debts. Yeah. Klaatu confronted Luke Skywalker during the battle at the Great Pit of Carcoon, but fled after Luke disarmed him with a stroke of his lightsaber. He died when Jabba's sail barge exploded. Dum, dum, that's, <laughs> that's He's it. probably just really upset because he was going to have to fit another bar- fix another barge. Yeah, I think he was probably going back in to get something else. He was like, well, that didn't work. Let me go get the bigger one. I'll I'll, I'll fix him. But he could come back through music. You could always do like a Klaatu groove or something. Uh Uh-oh. You said it. Right? You heard it it first here, everybody. (laughs) Well, and going back to music, since you mentioned that in the end you feel like kind of you guys land at funk a lot. I wonder who your musical influences are. Oh boy. Well, my, it's pretty wide. There's a pretty wide range because I listened to everything growing up. Um, but I just sort of gravitate towards music that makes you feel something. And what people don't understand about funk is that funk fits within any genre of music. Like, oh, yeah. you know, I've heard guys use it with violins. Of, oh Yeah. Know, I mean, I've, I've even heard country music that that was funky. So 
funky is just being funky is just really just a vibe that that's sort of rhythmic that makes people want to move or like makes them feel something. And um, so yeah, I mean, I was influenced by Sly and the Family Stone a lot. I mean, I listened to them, yeah, growing up, and I and I liked the way Larry Graham played bass, and he was probably. Well, he was the first person to really start to what the technique they called slapping a bass, and yep. so it really has a really pop, pop, pop percussive feel to it. And um, I was attracted to that when I heard it. I was like, "Man, that is really cool." But I was playing guitar at the time, and I really wanted to be Jimi Hendrix. When I heard Jimi Hendrix play, I was like, "Man, I want to, I want to be Jimi Hendrix when I grow up. That's what I want to be." <laughs> So my grandmother got me a guitar from a catalog back in those days. There was no internet. So you had this Alden. It was called Aldens, A-L-D-E-N-S, I think. And she ordered me this kind of no-name electric guitar with an amp. And I thought, man, when I get this guitar, I'm going to sound like Jimi Hendrix. I'm going to be Jimi Hendrix. And um, little did I know it didn't quite work that way. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's awesome because... I did something very similar when I was like eight or nine years old. My first guitar came through the Fingerhut catalog. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just get them, get them, <laughs> get them anywhere you could get them. You know. But yeah, I mean, I listened to that, you know, and I, I loved Parliament Funkadelic. Yes. I love yes, yes. Bootsy. I was Bootsy. hoping. I was secretly hoping you would mention Parliament. Yeah, Bootsy. Bootsy was like God to me when I was growing up. Like I, you know, I would just listen to Bootsy albums and like stare at the sleeve. You know, there was a an album that opened up. It was called Ah, the name is Bootsy. And when you opened it up, there's this full length picture of Bootsy in the in the middle of it. And I would listen to the album, just stare at that picture, and go, "Man, Bootsy is like so cool." I mean, he, there's only one Bootsy. Yeah, he's legit. You cannot imitate Bootsy. I mean, this is there's none of that going on. But so yeah, I mean, I just sort of developed a love for funky music. Oh, Cameo was another one of my favorite bands. Um, their stuff was really super cool. But so as I kind of made a segue from playing guitar into bass, um, you know, it I just it, things got funkier, and then Stephen and Constantino and I we developed a band called Atmosphere together in the eighties, and then one thing led to another, and been part of various music projects since then. And I kind of got out of music for a long time before I decided to start playing again. Um, so I had some experiences that weren't so pleasant in the industry, but, um, but yeah, I mean, music has always kind of been my passion. I guess that's the reason why I never really went after acting or anything like that. People always go like, well, why aren't, why aren't you the new Lando Calrissian and the new, I'm like, Dude, I'm not an actor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and aren't you? I mean, like you're older now than your dad was when he was playing Lando, yeah. right? And yeah. the Lando in the movies twenty years younger than he ever was. Yeah, exactly. I bring that fact up to people all the time. But since I look a lot younger than I am, I mean, people don't really pay a lot of attention to that until I tell them. It's like, look, you know, I'm older than he was when he did the movie. That's all the years of taking care of yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's being involved in fitness and and being healthy and all that kind of stuff. It you know, it kind of helps with longevity, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, music, my musical influences are just kind of all over the place. But I just love funky music in general. And so, what our goal now is to kind of create a modern version of funk because when people do funk, 
they try to make it sound like it's it came right out of the 70s or something you know there's there are a lot of really cool funk bands out there now that i listen to but um some of their music their music doesn't sound modern to me it's like it's almost as though they're trying to stay true to what funk was instead of trying to take it somewhere else like you know george clinton and those guys nobody had ever heard music like that before i mean james brown originated this sort of style of music which was rhythmic and then you know george clinton took like half the people from james brown's band and started you know yeah you know like bootsy was playing with james brown um Fred Wesley, Maceo Parker, all those guys. The whole horn section from James Brown's band was in Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah. So, but I mean, he did a whole modern thing with it. That's what I really kind of thought was cool. And I was like, can't somebody do that now? I mean, can't somebody like just take it to the next level instead of keep swinging, instead of swinging back to what it used to be? And so that's kind of what 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 we're doing with with our music. We're just kind of, it's funky music, but we don't play cliche licks and stuff and we don't we're not going after sounds and tones that remind you of the 70s per se they they might but we're not trying to do that with it i mean a lot of people say cloud city funk reminds them of of a, a little bit of 80s music because i guess the the drum sounds we use are a little bit electronic sounding which a lot of that was going on in new wave music yep well it could be timeless in itself yeah how uh how much talking did it take for you to convince your dad to do the uh, the parts of the video? I was he wondering did. that too. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we were at dinner and I was like, "Dad, you're going to be in the video." He was like, "What? Am I getting paid?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No, you're not getting paid. None of us are getting paid. We're just doing it for fun." What? You're doing it for fun? <laughs> so I was like. <laughs> so we kind of we kind of cornered him didn't really give him much of a choice <laughs> just we were coming in from dinner um one night um when we were at celebration and and we were we got off the elevator and we were like wouldn't it be cool to have him coming out the elevator pointing and then we didn't do that but we came through the door we tried a few different things and we didn't like any of them we we're like just come down to the to the basement where there's not a lot of people and we'll just do something and so then he kind of got started to get into it. He's like, wait, let's turn into it. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> so he and I started off with our backs to the camera and then turned into the Lando point thing. But I didn't end up using that shop. There's a lot of things that we experimented with and tried and we have so much footage. That's why I decided that we would do sequels to this video and just remix the song, which I thought would be kind of a fun and unique idea. Yeah. Um, so the next one would be called The Beat Strikes Back. And um, so we're going to, it's it's going to be the same song, but it's going to be mixed totally differently and edited differently, which I do all the editing. But, um, you know, we, we may change the bass line. We may change some of the instrumentation just to make it more sort of hip hop sounding. But because Ray Park, I didn't get to tell you about him. We were talking about him before. He He's one heck of a dancer, that dude. <laughs> I, mean, I can see it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I mean, he's the funkiest Sith in the galaxy, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he was finishing out his day. We we timed it just right, just like with Mark. And I walked up, and um, 
And I said, you ready to, you want to do that thing still, right? And he was like, yeah, 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 give me a minute. He said, can I hear it, though? And I was like, sure. So I put the speaker on his desktop while he was signing out the rest and of his autographs for the day. And he heard it. He was grooving. He was like, yeah, what do you want me to do? And I was like, well, I want you to dance, you know, a little bit. So we were trying to round up a lightsaber. I sent my friend Mickey Clint to go find a lightsaber because he was like helping us with everything. He was like, give me 15 minutes. He always said that. And he'd come back with like three Jedi and a <laughs> Sith, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so he came back with two lightsabers, but it turned out that Ray had a lightsaber that had been given to him that was a double lightsaber, just like the one Darth Maul uses. And I was like, dude, that's like perfect. So we took him back in the um, sort of like loading zone area after the, the con had closed that day. So it was closed for, and they were tearing everything down when we were doing this. And um, it was on Sunday. And so Ray just started grooving and he started doing all these popping and locking and doing, I was like, man, we just couldn't stop laughing all the stuff he was doing. And we just said, and we got done. We did, we ran through the whole song, three and a half minutes, full take of it. And then Ray just goes, man, that really felt good, but I'm warmed up now. I think I could do it better. Can we do it again? <laughs> You're not going to tell like, him no. I mean... yeah. No more dancing, Ray. <laughs> right. We got to go, Ray. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, I mean, he did that like, and then, and then he got finished with that one. He says, but now, you know, it feels really good. I've been sitting all day because he likes to work out and stuff. You know, he's in good shape. And he was like, I've been sitting all day and, you know, it feels good to get up and move, man. You know, I'd like to run through it one more time. I bet I could do some better stuff. And I was like, yeah, well. <laughs> Keep rolling. Go for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So we got so much footage of Ray. We got a lot of footage of Deep Roy, too. He was a dancing machine, man. He was. Yeah, he I was, noticed that. I was going to ask, like, where, how did he fit into that? Like, where did where did you first meet him to? decide well, to approach him to to yeah to i mean I, I met deep when i first started doing conventions i mean i think we were in detroit somewhere and he was so cool i mean we hung out we had a couple of beers together and he was just like the coolest funniest dude and um and i really loved him in charlie and the chocolate factory yeah, actually. Yeah, he, was, he was all the oompa loompas and I, like those musical numbers they did in that thing were like so amazing i was like man I said, we got to see if we can get deep. And I knew he was going to be down at the convention. And, you know, and I've had dinner with him a bunch of times. So we're pretty much friends. And I was like, somehow I got to get deep. So our manager manages deep as well. And I told Derek, I said, you think we could get deep to dancing? And he's like, sure, I'll, we could ask. So when I got there, it was like, deep said, I got a white suit and I want to dance in a white suit and I want to put on shades and dance in a white suit. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> Ready yeah, to go. Here's a plan. <laughs> so I was just astonished that, you know, Deep was going to do this thing, you know, because I was like, I so admired the work that he did in that movie. And I thought, he's going to dance his ass off in this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly he didn't disappoint, man. And we, the funny thing is, we, you know, I tried to pick locations that were different. And so, like, you'd have a, a variety of different sort of backdrops for all these characters that were sort of appropriate to the characters. Like when we did Vader and, and, the and the legacy troopers, it was a concrete wall and, you know, it had just had some texture to it, but it was mostly white and it really looked 
good with the characters in front of it. So I'd kind of done some location scouting, but we were sitting in the bar, you know, that night, the end of the night, having a beer and just talking about what we were going to do the next day. And we saw this lighted wall. And we said, man, it would be so cool if we could shoot deep in here with the white suit and the lighted wall. It would have like this Saturday night fever kind of vibe. <laughs> it would be awesome. So that's basically, you know, what we ended up doing. We, we, he said, you know, can, uh, can you guys um, meet me at the hotel and we'll walk back over to the convention center. And I said, deep, we, you could do it right in the hotel. And so we need to get in there before everybody gets, starts coming in. And so it was right before the bar even opened. I just went up to the guys and I said, Hey, you know, can we, um, shoot in the bar? And they were like, sure. And we just started shooting deep and the more stuff he did, he was hilarious. We just, I think Mark, he said the camera was shaking a lot because he was trying not to laugh while deep was doing, doing all the moves that he was doing. And, and I was jumping in there with him so you could see that, you know, cause he looks proportionately kind of correct and, you don't really notice how small he is until you see him against a full-size person. Yeah. And so that made it even funnier. So, yeah, I mean, it it was just really great the way the whole thing came together. I mean, I couldn't be happier with, with, with what happened in it. When we first became Facebook friends, he popped up in Friends of Your Friends. You know how that shows up back in the day on Facebook? It was very particular uh-huh. to this person. And I just, yeah. you know, I sent him a friend request just because I, I remember him from Never Ending Story. And, and uh-huh and uh so yeah he's, he's been a ton of movies yeah he's done so much like never he was in big fish he was in uh, the star trek movies but, i mean but let's so i much. mean he was droopy mccool so yeah. really yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really all that matters yeah you don't get you don't get a lot cooler than that yeah just sitting and watching the video when it's brian said it earlier just cool everybody that's yeah. in it it's it's actually really really fun to watch yeah i mean he's it was really cool. And then, and all these, you know, combined with my idea was to do Star Wars characters and then also combine them with maybe a few sort of celebrity cameos, which I thought would be really quick that we could maybe talk a few people, but it ended up people got really involved. I mean, in it, um, more than I even thought they would, you know, like the more they heard the music, it seems like the beat carried them away. And, a lot of people tell me, you know, when they listen to it, man, I, I keep hearing it in my head after <laughs> after it's turned off. I mean, <laughs> it was just sort of infectious. I mean, I tried to really hone that groove that we put together to make it very danceable. And I really concentrated on the tempo of it and the feel of it so that it would be really easy to, for people to dance to it. Even if you're not a great dancer, it would just be really easy to kind of groove to yeah, and thank you for that because I'm horrible at dancing. <laughs> yeah, just let go, Mike. You gotta let it happen. Man, I was I was amazed. There's a, a friend of mine on Facebook and he posted a video. Oh, he didn't post the video, he actually sent me a message of his daughter dancing to it. Aww. She was like seventeen and she was going berserk. I was like, Man, I need to get her <laughs> dancing in the next video. Are you kidding? <laughs> so for uh, the next celebration, you're going to plan another one of these? You're going to make these traditions right. through celebrations? <laughs> well, you know, the, the funny thing is, if I had if I had been there signing, there's no way I would have been able to do what I did. I mean, I wouldn't have had the time. to Because we basically spent, like, every day, all day shooting. And, you know, I was really grateful to Mark Donovan 
for, you know, doing it with me. Um, because it was like, I was like, dude, I hope I'm not ruining your experience at Celebration. He was like, oh, no, you know, he's part of the 501st Legion. Mm-hmm. He and his wife, you know, he does Stormtrooper and all that stuff. And, and, um, and he, they, you know, they do charity events and everything, which is really cool. But like, I was like, man, you know, I hope I'm not ruining it for you. And he was like, no, man, I mean, this is, you know, really why I come. I mean, I want to come and hang out with my friends. And yeah, it's great, you know come to the convention but if you've been to a couple of them i mean you know you start to see the same stuff over and over again more or less um, or you should do one at dragon con oh dude you funny you should say that because i'm really trying to get the hip-hop trooper i want to feature him in one and um and he's saying man a good place to do it would be a dragon con so i think we're probably going to do a, a bunch end up doing a bunch of these videos i know there's two sequels coming off of this one because um, we have so much footage. I, I want to feature Deep in one, and um, I want to feature Ray in, in the Beat Strikes Back. I want to have, you know, I want to have a lot of footage because he did some really cool stuff, and I'd like to kind of mix him in with some of the other shots I have of the characters. So we had so many shots, we could create, we could definitely create three different videos, and you know, the challenge would be to keep it interesting enough where people wouldn't go like, oh, "Hey, that's." A- same stuff as we saw last time, but um, I think we could do it, and so we're going to give yeah. it a shot. That's for sure. Well, you've got a Klaatu Funk song to write. Right. Oh yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, Klaatu Groove, man. I'm ready. <laughs> I will. It, it will take me back to my childhood when I would roller skate around in my basement to Ohio Players Club. I want to recreate <laughs> that feeling. Nice. Ohio players, man, sugar. Oh, good stuff. Oh man, love roller coaster, man. So good. Even still today, one of my favorite songs of all time. Mm. Yeah, that's the funkiest guitar line. Yes. In the history of guitar, funky punk guitar, I think it's really some funky stuff. But I mean, these guys I'm playing with are really super, super funky guys, and you know, they. I just want to. I said, look, I just want to be involved with guys who are really into playing music. And, you know, not, we're not trying to do it. We're not doing it because we want a record deal or we're trying to make money doing it. We're doing it just because we love, you know, creating really cool music and stuff that's fun to listen to. And so, you know, um, it's just really, I've just been really fortunate to, and I've kind of just ran across most of these people. I mean, Curtis Combo, who plays, he's the other bass player. Um, I ran into him in a music store. And um, when I had first gotten another bass and and we talked about getting together for like a year and a half or something. And we never did until we finally did. And then when we did, we just hit it off. It's not easy for two bass players to play together because you, you kind of step on each other's toes at times. Sure. But when we started playing, they were kind of like uh, extensions of each other when we play, sort of like you can't. Sometimes when we listen to the stuff back, you know, he can't tell what part I'm playing and what part he's playing because we're so so much in sync with each other and then um uh bigfoot and uh and then my other friend um matt williamson who is he's a sound engineer who graduated from full sail and so it's great to have him his help when i'm mixing things um so we have a really great team of guys and um you know he's a really good guitar player too so he plays a lot of stuff and then uh, uh mike mcnesby um who's like a really brilliant creative guitar player. He plays with a bow. He does wow. all kinds of stuff. 
And so when we want something really off the wall, we just send it to McNez, man. And we, I call him McRiff because he comes up with these really cool guitar riffs. That's but a good nickname. Yeah, they're not really they're not really songs. He just comes up with like a like a twenty four bar riff, and, and everybody just looks at each other and goes, "Man, that, where did he come up with that?" <laughs> and so there's a few songs that I've built around his riffs um, because you know I love to edit music, and these guys listen to it and they go. Man, we didn't even, you know, you're like a magician. Like, how do you make it come together like that? I just enjoy doing it. So, and then the uh, last guy we got is um, Matt Supnick, who's a brilliant bass player. And he used to play, um, he used to travel with the School of Rock, um, which, you know, is a bunch of really gifted kids. And he's a really gifted guy. I heard him playing bass in a, in a, in a restaurant. And I, and I went up to him and I said, dude, I mean, no, nobody, no, nobody goes to a restaurant and entertains people playing bass. It's usually a guitar player or a keyboard player or something. But, I mean, he was very entertaining just playing a bass and singing, and he had a really unique voice. And I said, dude, we got to get you in the nucleus. So we just recruit people as we go along, and some of them are part of the core, um, core members of the project, I call them. Um, and... Um, you know, our website sort of describes what it is and tells you more about what, what it is we do. But um, it's really it's really a cool project. When you do something like that, when you're doing it for fun and the love of it, people do respond to that a lot more because it makes it more fun and it makes it more interesting. And you want to support somebody who's doing it because they're doing something that they love doing. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I hope it, I hope it comes across that way. I mean, I would like to have it come across that way. And I'm sure, you know, some of the infectious sort of enthusiasm that we have, it just creeps into people. People come over to, we have a room in, in my place and we call it the Lux Lounge. And it's turned into actually a Facebook page because people kept checking into it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but wait, I can't have them showing up in my house waiting for a jam session. <laughs> so, you know, like I had to come up with a location somewhere and it's actually Funkhauser, Georgia, which is appropriate yeah but but, <laughs> but yeah i mean it's 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 like a room i've created because i love interior design and so you know i created this room that has a really cool feeling to it and most of the shots on our website were taken in that room but so when we all get in here it's like a really cool vibe and sometimes people will just sit and listen to us jam you know it's not easy to listen to a jam session because it's not music you're familiar hearing familiar with and um and, you know, so it's just sort of us doing a thing, but you have to appreciate that kind of thing. But uh, No, totally. My daughter plays stand-up bass, and I could sit there oh, for hours watching her and listening to her play stuff that she's coming up on her own and just, you know. That's very cool. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. Cool. it's very cool when you can improvise like that. I mean, a lot of people that read, you know, the two the two don't necessarily kind of go together all the time. Like some people that can they can read music, but they can't really just listen to something and play to it. Sure. So it's you know it's great if you can do both things. Um, but I'm an ear player, you know. I never when the time by the time I started trying to learn how to read, um, I, it, I was just too bored to like do it because I was already writing songs. I mean, yeah. I was like <laughs> it was like going backwards to me <laughs> or something. <laughs> so you know, I just create, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a decent bass player. I'm not like the baddest bass player on the planet or anything. And 
you know, I certainly couldn't like blow people away with like really intricate stuff on bass, but I'm good at coming up with an imaginative baseline usually. Like I come up with good, like some of the coolest bass lines were like the simplest things you ever heard. Like, you know, um, like good time chic, you know, doom, 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 you know, just and schoolboy crush, like the average white band, you know, that was a really cool baseline. Some of the coolest baselines were just real simple stuff, but just flavorful. I think, that's what it's really about is being flavorful with stuff, not trying to impress people because people do all kinds of crazy stuff on instruments now. Like, like I was saying about my daughter a little bit ago, I love music. I've been listening to music my whole life. I've collected vinyls for, since I was probably five years old, listening to all my mom and dad's old albums, like Sweet. Parliament stuff. Like I got really happy in the nineties when, <laughs> when they did stuff with ice cube, because then it was people actually knew the band that I've been listening to all along. But it's, far as bass goes i you know i never really gave it a lot of thought like if i play rock band i never play the bass i would usually play the guitar but you get so much of the rhythm and so much of the soul just yeah. from, you know listening to her play and watching her do it i've i've always taken that for granted and, and now it's like wow like um if you go see like um brian sets or my friend john hatton plays for them and it's uh-huh. I, I never really gave it that much thought but now it's like yeah it's a big deal it, it really it sounds good it really yeah. does. And those guys had some cool upright bass stuff going on yeah. in their music. And to play it, the swing rock and roll thing was really different, you know. So there's so many unique ways to approach music rhythmically. And it's cool to kind of discover some of that stuff. Like sometimes we get into, I call it bassism, because we're, <laughs> there's like two bass players or, you know, maybe three of us and like, you know, how do you make that work? But it's kind of it's kind of cool. Like Supnik plays very melodically and I'm very rhythmic. So we complement each other pretty. I mean, the first time we played together, it kind of just came together. But um, but yeah, I mean, you find ways to do it. And bass is so interesting. You know, you just you don't really you don't really pay that much attention to it until you see somebody sitting there playing bass. You know, like one of my favorite bass players is Marcus Miller, but. I also love Stanley Clark, but Marcus Miller has, has been is one of the most famous bass players that a lot of people, some people don't even know who he is, but he's been on like so much music. And like a lot of the early Luther Vandross stuff, he was he was on that, you know, producing and writing and he played with David Sanborn and a lot of people, but Miles Davis. Yeah, so it's good that you find people that you love doing it with and you get to do it on on the regular. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool. And then that's what's going on with the music project stuff. And so now we're kind of tying it all into the Star Wars experience a little bit. And it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't something we set out to do. And it certainly isn't all we can do. I mean, we have, right now we have over 100 recorded ideas. Nice. And so what what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to prioritize these ideas and edit them, the most promising ones. the ones that I think have the most potential first. So, you know, there's a lot of, we have a lot of music. And the scary thing is these guys are always calling me up going, hey, man, you want to jam? I'm like, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid that, you know, I don't want to tell them no because it gets better and we keep coming up with cooler ideas. But at the same time, I'm backlogged with with editing and mixing. (laughs) Yeah, we keep you busy. 
Corey, I wanted to ask you this because we I really haven't gotten to talk to you in a while. And since the last time we've talked, we've gotten two new Star Wars movies. We didn't even get to ask you, but what did you think about Force Awakens and Rogue One? Well, you know, I, I, I enjoyed certain aspects of them both. I mean, I'm a Star Wars fan myself, too. So, yeah, you know, um, you know, as much as being the Star Wars saga is like part of my family legacy, just it just forever and always will be. But, <clears throat> you know, so I enjoyed watching them. Um, but it's just something to me special about four five and six that no one will ever be able to, you know, duplicate. I mean, that because, you know, first of all, that stuff had never even been done before. Absolutely. Five is like my favorite movie of all time. I just yeah. nothing that touches it. The Empire Strikes Back was a great movie, man. Mm-hmm. And Lando Calrissian was introduced into it. My so favorite awesome. scene where, where he where he starts yelling at Lord Vader, and you know, he's the only character in the Star Wars series that actually, you know, had an argument or sort of tried to argue against Vader and made it to the next scene without being force choked. Can can yeah. you do that line, Corey? <laughs> That's the one he always asked me to do. <laughs> it was Lord Vader. That wasn't a condition of our agreement. No, it was given to that bounty hunter. Yeah, and Derek's just, nodding yeah. his head disapprovingly in the, the background. That sounded pretty spot on. You feel you're being treated unfairly. <laughs> and that's good. It would be unfortunate if I had to leave a garrison. <laughs> when, I, when Empire came out the first time I saw it, one of the things I remember most about the movie is well, there's the big reveal. That, I mean, that's that's the big thing. But um, the first experience I had with your dad in that movie is I thought he was a superhero right off the bat because of his cape. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, I think that's one of he. He always says that's probably one of his like favorite things about the characters that he got to wear capes. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you wear a cape, capes are just cool. But not everybody can pull no. off cool. No. Yeah. You have to be you a know, special person to, to pull off the cape. Oh, it, that cape it really is does. So yummy. That color is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the, so, lining, the lining on that cape is heaven. I love it. So oh, much. yeah. The lining is so cool. Like when I see people trying to cosplay him, and I've very, I've never really seen a Lando that I really thought that the person really nailed it. But because they always look kind of dime story looking, the costumes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, people are always trying to get me to do it, of course. I mean, my friends in the 501st are like, dude, if you go out and do Lando with us, you'll kill it. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I'm afraid to even step into that territory. Right. The costume would have to be really amazing. And I know several people that make great costumes that are cosplayers, and I would probably approach one of them. But what we talked about was doing, like, what would Lando Calrissian look like if he had joined the empire instead of becoming a good guy. Oh. He'd still have a cape. Yeah. Except maybe his cape would be black. Yeah. Maybe the lining of his cape could be blue. You would notice that it was Calrissian for sure, but maybe he had reversed the cape or some sort of thing. That color blue, I don't know what it is particularly, but when I talk about a certain color of blue, I always say Calrissian blue. Calrissian blue. Yeah. It really, nice. It's kind of like it's not powder, but it's not royal. It's kind of like in between. Calrissian. It's Calrissian yeah. blue. Cal- yeah. Calrissian blue. They should have that when you go to paint store and buy blue paint. They should have a Calrissian blue. So yeah. I want to. I want to ask you. 
has it been weird? Have you watched any of the cartoons where where your dad has reprised his role as Lando? And is that weird seeing him in the animated form? Yeah, that is kind of kind of strange. I, mean, I think it's cool. And then you know, being in the Lego movies and and all that stuff is really kind of kind of neat. And you know, anytime there's a, anybody's they're doing a voice of Lando, it's always him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's that's one of the things he says. He's like, I don't want anybody else to do the voice of Lando. I'm the one who does it. And I'm like, so, going, yeah, dude. Like one of these days, I'll steal your job. And like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious then, like how weird it's going to be for all of you to see this Han Solo movie. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, like if it, like for anybody, like I think if, if anybody could maybe come close, it would be Donald Glover. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be the person trying to fill pop shoes. I mean, there has to be a lot of stress involved with that. Genetically. I'm probably the one few people that could maybe pull it off if I really knew how to act well. But, um, I, you know, that's, that's a tough, those are tough shoes to fill, man. I mean, they, they're going to have to, I don't think he's going to really be able to like be Lando Calrissian in the sense that my father was, they're going to have to kind of do it his own thing a little bit with it. I think, well, he's the Lando that will eventually become Calrissian. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, that's a difficult thing to do. I yeah. mean, He's got his work cut out for him. I mean, my father met with him and he really likes him and everything. And, you know, he certainly wishes him the best and everything. But I, you know, personally, I I think there's only one Lando Calrissian and that's that's Pops. And if they're if 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 he's not going to be Lando Calrissian, then I think they just need to leave it, leave it the way it is. You know, I I don't think they can just keep resurrecting or rehashing too much with that character. I mean, it was a real special character. Yeah. Did your dad give him any tips or tricks on being Lando? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they really talked about, but told him to wear a cape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In Calrissian blue. Well, you know, Pops is just so sort of, he just has a kind of coolness. That's part of his personality. And that's kind of hard to learn. You know, you, you either have it or you don't. I mean, it really, it's handed my grandfather, December Williams, who my father's named after, um, was a real cool dude. Um, you know, he's, he was a Texan, but he, but, he, but he ended up in New York City and Manhattan. And if you saw a picture of him wearing a suit, you would think that, you know, he was a city slicker, what they call a city slicker, but he was a country boy. But he was just a real cool character. I mean very laid back dude. And, you know, my father's definitely got a lot of that same quality. I mean, so it's like I said, it's a real hard. No, growing up, he's the, he was the epitome of cool. I mean, he still is. And yeah. you know, you can't learn cool. You just are cool. That's, that's true. I mean, you can't even really fake being cool. No. <laughs> hey, I've tried. <laughs> yeah, I've, oh. I've tried for years and years. It just doesn't. No, we all tried. <laughs> We've all tried. The funny thing, somebody created a meme of me dancing with the what do you what do you call it? Twilex or Twilex? How do you pronounce it? Um, I, I think it, I think both are acceptable. I've heard yeah. I've heard both. Yeah. It was, it was like you aren't you you might be cool, but you're not Corey D dancing with three Twilex cool or something. <laughs> and 
I did it, see that. It made me laugh because it was a selfie that I took of myself with the Twilex. And, um, you know, one of my friends, Chloe, she was one of the Twilex and, and she got the other Twilex in the, in the video. She um, recruited them to be in it. So we just sort of, so I was, took this selfie just for fun and then somebody put that on it and posted it. And I just thought it was hilarious. Mm. I, I can't even imagine, like, it's probably difficult enough to have a dad as cool as, as uh, or, or, or just to seem as cool as yours and have to live up to that. But then, I mean, I personally did, and I'm sure every other kid in, like, when they watched how cool he was in Star Wars was like, he was their standard for cool. So now you've got the competition of everybody trying to be that cool. And you've got your dad teaching them to be so. I, that's just <laughs> <clears throat> like, does that get intimidating at some point? <laughs> no, you know, you you learn not to try to not to try to uh, live up to it or you know um, imitate it in any way. You know, it's like just coolness I mean, who, is a gift, man. I mean, this. Who, who's cool? Who else can you think of that's really cool that you? The two people I wanted to be as cool as when I was a kid were Lando Calrissian and James Bond. Ah, uh, yeah, Indiana was Jones certain, too. Yes, Indiana uh, Jones wasn't cool. He was a nerd, no, he but was he was cool my nerd. kind of nerd. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. I mean, I think that um, Sean Connery was very cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was super cool when I was. And I thought, and Bruce Lee was super cool. I mean, when he wanted to be, I mean, he played a lot of goofy parts and stuff, but when he was cool, he was real cool. I mean, yeah. he had like a three-piece suit on and stuff, man. It's like, man, that dude is cool. <laughs> you talked about Hendrix earlier. Hendrix was cool as well. Oh, yeah. Hendrix was like super cool. But, and for a person of his age, I mean, he died very young. Yeah. But he was very, he, he was a really wise dude. I mean. When you watch like the Dick Cavett interview and some of the things he was saying, it's just like he he had a lot of wisdom for somebody of his age. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, you know, well that it happens with great people like that. You know, they usually meet their demise early for some reason. The good die young. That's what they yeah. say. And I will live forever. <laughs> <laughs> so Corey, we we could sit here and talk to you for the next six hours, but. I um, I want I want people to to go to go check out the video and uh, we'll put it in the show notes. But can you tell everybody where uh, they can find it and where they can find you and and all your projects and and everything? Yeah, well, you go to three D nucleus dot com, which is three double D double E. So like my name, three D nucleus dot com, mm-hmm. and you can kind of keep up with everything we're doing there. Of course, we want you to go to our YouTube channel and check out Cloud City Funk. Um, the Funk Awakens, we call it. That's the first episode of the Cloud City Funk series that we'll be doing. So we'll be doing two other videos, and one will feature probably feature Ray Park, and the other one will probably feature Deep Roy. And Deep Roy, we're probably going to do a real rhythmic kind of thing, um, like a, uh, a like a, make it a little dancier. And then on the other one, it's probably going to be a little more hardcore and like hip hoppy sounding. I look forward to it. But yeah, I mean, you can go to 3dnucleus.com and um, you can keep up with everything. All it's linked, We're linked up to everything from there. It's like kind of like the central hub for everywhere we are because we're on Twitter, 
We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. Um, we're not on Instagram yet, but we're we're on SoundCloud. Um, we're on Reverb Nation. See, I so, like that you use the website the way it's intended to. That you don't mm-hmm. see that very much these days anymore. It's like, well, I'm here, here, and here, but not all that stuff's on my web page. But no, it's a centralized place where everybody can find everything. Yeah, that's that's what we tried to create, and um, we ended up being like the number one funk band in the region on on Reverb Nation for a while. Oh, sweet. Right. And we're and we're not even a band, so. Imagine <laughs> <that>. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, um, Holly, how about you? Can you tell everybody where to find you and stuff? Sure. I remain on Twitter as at Surliest Girl. Uh, if they want to check out my history podcast, that is Stuff You Missed in History Class, which is at MissedInHistory.com. And then I do that other fake history project with that rotten Brian Young. Rotten to the core. <laughs> I'm the worst. Or you're, in a, you're in Georgia, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you and Holly should get together and make capes one day. Yeah, we're neighbors. Yeah, yeah Holly, let's, let's, let's go out for a brewski or something. Oh, you got it. That's awesome. All right. And Brian, what about you? Where can people find you? Because you put some on, online today, and it's very true. People should support your Patreon. Uh, yeah, so so you can find my, my uh, everything centralized at my Twitter, which is Swankmatron, and you can look up that name and find me on just about any platform using Swankmatron, including Patreon, which I would love people to jump in and uh, help support my short story habit and that makes things awesome for me, and then you get to read my short stories, and that's good news for everybody. So Swankmatron. How did you come up with Swankmatron? Um, so back, uh, back when uh, Phantom Menace, before Phantom Menace had come out, but after we heard the name Darth Maul, and I realized that Darth was a moniker rather than a uh, like vader's name i thought it was really funny and so uh or i thought it was really cool and then i thought like i needed a screen name because the internet was still like kind of new there and uh there like i thought like what's the funniest thing that could be a a sith name and then like swank was the porno mag (laughs) so like darth porno mag (laughs) which was darth swank and I went by that for a long time, and then when we started the Big Shiny Robot website, uh, I was like, I need a robot name, and then I kind of went back to that and thought that was funny. So Swankmatron is yeah, what I got dubbed of, like 10 years ago, and I can't escape it now. It's kind of Transformer-ish, Transformers-ish, yeah. sort of. Yeah, that's interesting. One of these days, me and Brian are going to do a book together about the experience that I had doing Return of the Jedi. So. Yeah, we're we're we're. I think I figured out how to do that. So get let's on do that. it. That'd be awesome. Let's get on it. Well, if you want to find me, you can go to the mic dot com site. Everything everything's on the mic dot com. You can find me there everywhere. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do so by using the SpeakPipe app on our website, which is fullofsith dot com, or you can just record it on your own machine and email it to us at holocron at fullofsith dot com. And on our website, you will always see the show notes and links to everything. And, and like I said, we're going to have everything. uh linked up for Corey so you could find the video and everything else. Also, go to facebook.com slash fullofsith and like us there. Same things that get posted on the website get posted there as well. And then facebook.com slash groups slash fullofsith and get it there. And we have always have conversations going on. It's a good time. And there's a lot of great, you know, great back and forth on that that Facebook page. So check that out. 
Um, again, Corey, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I had a blast. I looked out on my watch and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it's been, been a, a, almost an hour and 45 minutes right. So thank you for all the, the time you've given us too. And it's, it's wonderful talking to you. It's been a while. Thanks. Thanks for Thanks for having me on guys and, you know, have me on again in the future. I'd love to come back and talk some more because I love to talk and run my mouth about stuff anyway. So. <laughs> you're, you're a good friend and you're always welcome Corey. um everybody else well, go go to the youtube channel and and put likes the thumbs up there and do all that stuff and leave some great comments if you uh, want to leave us a review on itunes or stitcher or the google play store or any, anywhere else you can find the the show we would appreciate that right before we started the show tonight i was like wide awake and we started watching one of the new einstein shows and i was kind of like getting really relaxed and almost dozed off and so if I've been fumbling all night, it's because hey, I was almost asleep, and now I'm, I'm, I think I'm a little better. But Corey, again, it's great talking to you. So this is uh, I'm fired up, man. I'm ready to do some music now. <laughs> there you go. So this is episode 216 of Full of Sith, and for our uh, great guest Corey D. Williams and my co-host Holly Fry and Brian Young, I am the Mike Pilot. May the Force be with you always. If you're not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. <coughs>